Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 16, 13. Matthew 16, 13. This morning, I don't know, I don't know if you all noticed this or not, what was going on, but um, this morning in the service, uh, the, the preacher was noticing that uh, Brother Land, Mylon Land sitting back there, he was actually falling asleep. I don't know if y'all noticed this or not, but um, he was falling asleep and pastor kind of got frustrated because he kept, kept dozing off. And he said, Mrs. Land, wake up your husband. And uh, Mrs. Land said, well, you're the one that put him to sleep. You wake him up. You take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 16, 13, 16, 13. And just out of respect of God's word, I'd ask you to stand at this moment, at this time. Matthew 16, 13. And this is what it says. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist. Some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that as we go through your word tonight, Lord, that we will just get a glimpse of, of who you really are and what you've really done for us on a cross. Lord, I just pray that you will take uh, my words, Lord. I pray I will not say anything that uh, you would not have me to. I pray you'll take my words, Lord, and use them uh, for your glory and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Tonight, whether you have accepted Christ as your Savior, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or let's say that you have, you're a Christian and you may, may have been a Christian for a number of years. Tonight, there's a question that I'm going to continue asking you, and it says, this is the question. Whom do you say that Jesus is? Whom do you say that he is? In my simplistic mind, I'm going to spend a few minutes tonight in an attempt to try to describe who this baby Jesus that we all celebrate at Christmas time? Uh, religions across the world celebrate um, the birth of Jesus, Christmas. But it's much, much deeper than that and much more than that. And I'm going to try to take a few minutes tonight and just try to describe to you of who Jesus really is. You see, the very Word of God. It contains 66 books. It was penned over various writers over a period of around 1,900 years, give or take, depending on, on, on the historians that you may talk to about that. But every single word is God-breathed. Every single word. 66 books by various writers. Now think about this. Over that long a period of time, over 1,900 years, our press can't get a quote right within um, a minutes after the quote is given. In fact, it's usually recorded and they can't even figure that out. But can you imagine over 1,900 years, writers have penned the perfect, perfect word of God. Amen. And 
and to get your head around that, that alone is, is a miracle beyond miracles. And that word, every jot and every tittle, is God-inspired, perfect word of God. In, in Matthew 16, 13, if you, want to, if you would turn, take your Bible and just take a look real quickly, what Jesus said, the first thing he said is this. <clears throat> when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? First of all, I want you to notice that Jesus acknowledged that he was human, that he was a man. Who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? First of all, he was 100% man. And Jesus acknowledged that in this verse. He acknowledged his humanity. But beyond that, Jesus is 100% God. He is part of the triune God, the three-in-one the God of the universe. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with the judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Nearly 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah prophesied Jesus' birth. He not only prophesied the humanity of his birth, for unto us a child is born, but he also declared Jesus Christ was God the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. If you go to Genesis 1.26, it says this, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth. Let us. The acknowledgement of Jesus Christ was at the beginning before time was. Jesus Christ was there. In John 1.1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was was not anything made that was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. Again, there's an acknowledgement that Jesus was in the beginning of time. Not only was he 100% human, but he was also 100% God. He was at the beginning of time. He was part of the creation process. And then in John 10.26, I'll ask you to turn there. John 10.26 through 30. I'll ask you to go ahead and turn there. This is another area or acknowledgement where Jesus declares who he is. John 10, 26 through 30, it says this, But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, 
and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than I, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. After that, after that um, comment that he made, if you go on further into the verse, um, the Jews wanted to kill him. They wanted to stone him because he declared that he himself was God. I and my Father are one. Jesus is God. I'm going to go through tonight, just in a very brief time, I'm going to rattle some verses off. I'm going to go through very quickly. But I want to just get a grasp of who Jesus was or is. First of all, in Revelation 1.8, he was the Alpha and Omega. It says this, that who is and who was and who is to come. He was the Almighty. He was the beginning of time, and he will be the end of time and forevermore. He was our advocate. Um, in John 1, um, 2, in 1 John, I'm sorry, 2, 1, it says this, that, my little children, these things are right unto you, that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He was our advocate. Aren't you glad that, that God is a God of a second chances? Amen. He was our author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12.2 He was all powerful. Matthew 28.18 uh, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He was all powerful. And again, the question that I will continue asking you tonight is this. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? He was a bread of life. He was the water. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never first thirst. John 6.35 He is the beloved Son of God, Matthew 3.17 He is a bridegroom coming for his bride, the church. Revelation 18.23, Revelation 21.2 he is our chief cornerstone. In Psalm 118, uh, 22, he was our chief cornerstone. And many people, um, some religions that, that make the comment about Peter, um, when the verse that I had given to you earlier about Peter being the rock, because right after that, he talks about the rock. Peter means little rock. The word Peter means little rock. And what Jesus was saying is, you are Peter, you are the little rock, but upon this rock, Jesus Christ, I will build my church. Jesus Christ was and is the cornerstone of the church. He's our deliverer, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. He's faithful and true, Revelations 19.11. He is our good shepherd, John 10.11. The shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. He is a great high priest, Hebrews 4, 14. And he is the head of the church, Ephesians 1, He is the great I am, 
John 8, uh, 58. He's also Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, 14. Emmanuel means God with us. He is the unspeakable gift. 2 Corinthians 9, 15. He is a judge. Acts 10, 42. In Revelations 17, 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. They that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. He is King of kings, and he is Lord of lords. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. John 1, 29. He is the light of the world. John eight twelve. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Revelation 5, 5. He is a name above every name. And he is Jesus Christ, the Lord. And at some point, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even now, or when eternity, they will all confess that. He is our mediator between God and, and man. 1 Timothy 2.5 He is the Messiah. That's John 1.41 He is the Mighty One. Isaiah 60.16 He is the One who sets man free. John 8.36 And again, the question tonight is, who do you say that He is? Is He a baby that we celebrate every year? Is he a savior that we don't really get our head around and don't really understand? Or is he your God, your king, and your savior? He's our hope, 1 Timothy 1.1. He is peace, Ephesians 2.14. He is our prophet, Mark 6.4. He is our redeemer, Job 19.25. He is a risen Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. He is a rock of our salvation, 1 Corinthians 10, 4. He is a propitiation for our sins. In 1 John 14, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He is our Savior, Luke 2, 11. For unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is the Son of Man, Luke 19.10. He is the Son of the Most High, Luke 1.32. He is the Supreme Creator over all. In Colossians 1.16 and 17 it says, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is a resurrection and a life, John eleven twenty five. He is the door, John ten nine. And he is the way. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except 
through me. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, John 1, 1. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is our true vine, John 15, 1. He is truth, John 8, 32. He is the victorious one, Revelation 3.21. And I go back to Isaiah 9.6 and it says this. He's our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is our Passover, 1 Corinthians 5.7. During the Passover, ceremony. It was an annual ceremony that that happened and it was to commemorate. It was something that was um, in Exodus 12, 5, 13, 2. It It was something that God ordained that the Jews continue. It was a it was a celebration, a Passover. And what happened is once every year, uh Jews would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate this Passover. And what they would do is they would bring a lamb. That lamb had to be a male um, without blemish. It had to be a first year lamb. And they would take that lamb and they would take it and they would take it to the high priest and they would let the high priest inspect this lamb. Now in Jerusalem about the time of Jesus um, when he was crucified it was thought to believe around 3 million people were in Jerusalem at that time. All generations were there. I'm saying all generations. All different nationalities of nations were in Jerusalem at that period of time. And they would take this lamb, this perfect lamb, and they would take it to the high priest. And the high priest would tie this lamb up um, to inspect it. And he would spend time to interrogate or inspect this lamb. You see, Jesus Christ was arrested, and he went before the high priest. And the very, very same thing happened to Jesus Christ, as he was inspected, and he was found to be no fault in him, just like that perfect lamb. Well, you find no blemish. They could not find a blemish in the lamb with this lamb. And then the high priest would order uh, the, that lamb um, to be sacrificed and blood was shed. Well, see, Jews all over, all over the country would come into Jerusalem for this Passover feast. So they would take and sacrifice lambs, hundreds, perhaps thousands of lambs that they would sacrifice during his Passover feast. It was said that blood would flow down a mountain where the priest was up on the mountain sacrificing these lambs. It said that the blood, you could see the blood from distances flowing down that hill. You see, Jesus sacrificed his blood on Calvary. It talks about in Exodus that that lamb could not have any broken bones. There could be not a broken bone in with that, um, with that lamb. That lamb had to be perfect. Jesus Christ did not have a broken bone when he gave his life on Calvary. And it goes on that after the, the, the high priest would, 
uh, would go through this. He would sacrifice. The people were involved. The crowds of people were involved watching the sacrifice. They were, they were condoning the sacrifice. They were the ones, the reason for the sacrifice. You see, Jesus Christ was the reason for that sacrifice. The crowd said what? Crucify him. Crucify him. And the very, very same thing happened to that lamb. When the high priest was finished, when they were complete, when the sacrifices of those lambs had been complete, he would raise his hands up and he would cry out with a loud voice, It is finished. And Jesus Christ did the very same thing for us on Calvary. See, when he was finished... He gave his life and the sacrifice for us and for our sin. In the Passover, the blood had to be applied to the door. You see, Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, that perfect sacrifice has to be applied to the door of our heart. And if it is not, um, there is no redemption for one that has not uh, made that decision. You see, it's a perfect, perfect example of who Jesus is. And I'm going to read just a really brief story. Again, I want you to ask the question, who do you say that Jesus is. You know, you as a Christian, um, if you do say that Jesus is, is your Lord and your Savior, perhaps you're not acting like it. Perhaps um, you don't live like it. And then there are others that are saying, well, you know what, I'm not going to make a decision tonight of who Jesus is. You keep asking that question, who is Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? Well, you know what? I'm not really going to make that, that, that answer. I'm not going to give you an answer tonight. You know what? You're giving yourself an answer. You're making a decision tonight of who Jesus is. If you walk away, you've made, you've given an answer of who Jesus is. There's a, um, Paul Harvey, and I know many of y'all older folks know who he was. I see Brother uh, Land back there kind of grinning. Appreciate you staying awake tonight. Paul, Paul Harvey, um, he, was a, he was a great commentator. He was, uh, he was a believer. He was a Christian. And back in about 2004, he told a story at Christmas Eve. Nobody had ever heard this story before. He actually said he, he, don't, he doesn't know where the story came from. But this is the story that he gave, um, December 24th, 2004. Now, the man who I'm going to introduce to you was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent. A mostly good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other men. But he didn't just, he didn't, he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff, which the churches proclaimed at Christmas time, that Jesus was the Son of God. He just didn't believe that. It didn't just make sense, he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth and um, as a man. He said, I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going 
to go to your church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite. And he'd be much rather just stay at home, but that he would wait for them. And so he stayed and he went and they went on to the midnight service at their church. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. Obviously, this didn't happen in Florida. He went to the window to watch the flurries get heavier and heavier, and then he went back to his fireside chair and began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, then another, and then another, sort of a thump or a thud. At first, he thought, well, somebody must be throwing snowballs against my living room window. But then he went to the front of the door to investigate, and he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in this snowstorm. And in a desperate search for shelter, um, they had tried to, thro- uh, to fly through his large landscaped window and landed and hit the window. Well, I mean, he couldn't just let the poor creatures lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter, he thought. If I could direct those birds in it, they could have shelter. So he quickly put on his coat, put on his galoshes. He tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors of the barn wide open, and he turned on the light, but the birds didn't come in. He figured, well, food would entice them, So he hurried back to the house, fetched breadcrumbs, he sprinkled them in the snow, making a trail to the yellow-lighted, wide-opening doorway of the barn. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around, waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction, except in the warm-lighted barn. And then he realized, they're afraid of me. To them, he reasoned, I am strange and terrifying. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I am not trying to hurt them, but I'm trying to help them. But how? Because any movie made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They just would not follow him. They would not be led or they would not be shooed. They feared him. If only I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and mingle with them and speak their language. And I could tell them not to be afraid and I could show them the way to warmth and safety. I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells rang from the church. And immediately he understood what Jesus Christ had done on a cross for him because he came to earth as human, all God, but all human, to give his life so that we could have everlasting life. Let's pray. Just before I pray, I just... um, I want you just to consider and think, my God is a God that is not a God that's left in a manger. He is a God that sometimes we take very, very carelessly. 
But he is a God that has come to redeem man from his sin.